Oh, hello there, friends. Welcome to the program. This is Andrew, and I want to just, before we get started, introduce you to this show. It was made by my friend Alexis Angelucci, and it's called In Your Dreams. This will hopefully become a regular part of the show, but it hinges, it counts upon, it relies upon you writing down your dreams. Tell a friend to write down their dreams. Do you know a weirdo in your life who comes to work and is like, hey man, I just had the weirdest dream. That guy, that lady, we need their dreams written down. They can narrate it themselves or send it to us and we'll read it for them, but we want those dreams and you'll see what Alexis has done with them. I love it. I'm such a fan. If you're curious about Alexis, you can go back into the archives. I'll put a link up in the show notes so you can listen to her previous podcasts. She and I talked a lot about dreams. I mean, almost exclusively about dreams in that in that episode. I'm a big fan of hers. I'm a big fan of what she's doing. And I hope you like this beautiful little love letter that she's made here in your dreams. Okay, stay tuned for the end to find out how you can participate. And until next time, sweet dreams. What are dreams? According to Shakespeare, they are the very stuff we are made of. To Joseph Campbell, a dream is a personalized myth, and a myth, a depersonalized dream. Both communicate in the same way, through a story, through imagery, which some may deem as the realm of pure fantasy, but which is in fact more real and truer than true than many may care to admit. However, dreams and myths are not literal, and in a time when people are literally obsessed with literalism, it's only too easy to shrug them off as meaningless junk. It's just the brain's way of processing what happened during the day and nothing else. But dreams are more than that. They are a subterranean mycelial network of connections the deep underground roots we don't see on the surface in the light of day, but that give us all the nutrients we need to survive. Whether we remember them or not, they are providing us with much needed sustenance and repair. But when we do remember them and pay them the respect and attention they deserve, something remarkable begins to happen. We're bringing some of those deep dark depths to light, which in turn means bringing ourselves more fully to life. It is a blossoming. A dream has very personal connotations, but can also hold deep meaning for another. Many of us have similar recurring themes and experiences. In sharing them, we honor their existence and can spark a remembering in another person. In a time of extreme disconnect, I believe this remembering is one of the most important things in the world. But not only that, sharing dreams is a lot of fun, because who writes this stuff anyway? That is the very reason for this segment, just the sheer joy of sharing dreams. We're not trying to pin anything down through interpretation or analysis, just appreciating the masterful art of the mysterious dreamweaver at work.
Like most children at age four or five, I was prone to nightmares. The dumbest, most non-frightening things would haunt my sleep, be it an ugly face from a Disney movie or the very first belted note from the circle of life. What the hell, Disney? However, also like some four or five-year-olds, one night I was fortunate to have one of the most unforgettable and favorite dreams that was a combination of two of my most favorite things, although not entirely connected or prevalent in this dream. My grandparents' house and Christmas in the late 90s. I was flying in the den of my grandparents' old home whilst the Russian dance from the Nutcracker Suite, the Fantasia recording with which I was first familiarized, was blaring. Arms outstretched, whizzing past the lit fan fixtures hanging from the high vaulted ceiling, the faux red leather couch and recliner below seemed miles away. The main doorway of the living room connected to the kitchen and dining area, and through there, the following doorway led to the laundry room. In that doorway, I saw my youngest of older aunts sitting on the floor with a concerned yet goofy expression on her face as she blew a bubble of the most pearlescent pink bubblegum. The second the bubble popped, there was total darkness and silence. These two factors normally didn't bode well in my childhood dreams, but what appeared from the void moments later quelled any fear and stoked a fascination that holds to this day. Through no other explanation other than simply the laws and physics of dream world, I knew I was then in the laundry room, at eye level with the countertop connected to one of the walls. Slowly illuminating from the darkness was a tiny carousel, slowly, slowly spinning. The platform, posts, and horses glowed with an ethereal, electric, yet slow-motion blue, while the pitched tin canopy was bright red. Forgive any incorrect terminology, I slept during carousel-ography lessons. Tiny, tiny dots of light floated slowly downward from under the canopy, almost suspended in the air around the carousel before going out just as slow, like stars taking a nap. There was a sound that played with the carousel, similar to Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, although it wasn't quite the same song. It was more like a sound check for the tiny music box that was part of the carousel's mechanism. Lingo, lingo, lingo. That was me, out of sheer curiosity, trying to blow out the glowing carousel like a candle, momentarily dimming it and pausing the tiny music. And like a zen trick birthday candle, it slowly illuminated back to life for a few moments, playing that same lingo, lingo, lingo. For suddenly, I blew a raspberry at the carousel, which not only extinguished it, but suddenly set it on fire, and I was immediately rocketed back into the living room, resuming my aeronautics and keeping up with that crazy-ass Tchaikovsky's conduction. When 
music ended, I floated gracefully to the hallway connecting the den to the rest of the house where everyone's bedrooms and bathrooms were. To my left, a queen-sized mattress leaned against the wall. Insignificant to just about all the insanities of this dream, but I'm a sucker for details. Floating slowly down the hallway, I glided into my grandparents' room, where they were still miraculously asleep in bed after the shenanigans that ensued in the room merely inches behind their heads. I was at an age where I still, from time to time, crashed in bed with my grandmother, and my flight finally ended by lowering softly in the space right next to her. And as if I realized I still had on one glass sneaker after that dream finally pumpkined out, there was a perfectly smooth transition of the dream ending to me waking up softly in that space right next to her. On a first date with a man, and it's love at first sight. He gives me a beautifully cut, heart-shaped garnet stone. Each aspect of the jeweled heart glistens and shines as I turn it around and gaze at it. I absolutely love it. We're in Spokane, but it looks like a different city, a big one. It has a post-apocalyptic feel to it. We suddenly find ourselves in a bad part of town, dangerous part, as we leave the movie theater that we had just been seated in. There's also some high-end fancy stores here. Suddenly there are some demon thugs who are right on our tails. They mean to terrorize us and harm us. My date is such a beautiful soul. He's a wonderful man so far. Instead of a purse, I carry a wallet in my right hand. We didn't belong in this bad part of town near these fancy stores. There's a quality to this town that is very unreal, very sci-fi like a movie. These demon thugs are not human, but are shaped like human men. They have black, shaggy, wolfy hair, and they're animal-like. They're, I believe they're wearing suits, just like men. They're shadowy looking, yet also solid. My date and I run as fast as we can to get away from these thugs, but the thugs had already stripped me of my rings. I had three rings on my right hand and two rings on my left hand. They also steal my wallet, which has my ID in it. They took everything of value from me. We try to escape inside a building from these thugs. We run up three flights of stairs as fast as we can, holding hands all the way. We get to the top floor, the third floor, and we're, we have a view above the city now. We plan to spend the night here because it's not safe to go down. But it's not very safe up here either. The walls are made of nothing more than flimsy plywood with squares cut out where the windows should be. And there's no ceiling either. So there's really nowhere to hide as well. 
but we still decide to stay there for the night, hoping the demons will leave us alone and go away. We find some box-like shapes that are kind of like a makeshift bed. Not comfortable, but we decide, let's just try to go to sleep here for the night and wait it out. So we hold hands and we recline, we start to recline just when we notice the demons are in the room with us. There's no way we can sleep there for the night with the demons there. They'd already stripped me of my rings, my wallet, everything. And now it's time to just escape with our lives. So the best way to do that, I feel, is to rise up out of this room. It seems like I was the one who was leading the charge to escape. And as I clasp my date's hand in my hand, I try to rise up with him below me. But he's too heavy. I can't. He's unable to rise up. He doesn't know how to fly like I know how to fly. And all the while when I'm trying to escape and fly up, I know that the demons were planning to rape me and torture me. I was absolutely terrified. The scene changes dramatically now and the dream is completely different and I'm a military man, an officer, and I'm in a war helicopter. I have on my flight suit. I'm tall, I'm strong, I'm muscular and handsome, with salt and pepper hair. I'm in my 60s. Someone else is flying the helicopter. I plan to jump to my own death because I refuse to be captured by the enemy and then to be tortured. I stand looking down, peering down through a square in the floor of the helicopter. Down below, I see the ocean, far below. I stand there and I make the sign of the cross. Then I stretch my arms out, preparing for my jump to my death. I suddenly find myself hurling down, 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 down towards the water. My body falling very fast and turning over and over. I'm proud of my sacrifice. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the journey. If you've loved hearing these dreams and have one you would like to share, send it along to inyourdreamsrbw at gmail.com. We prefer to have the voice of the dreamer reading their own dream, which you may record and send to us in whatever way is most convenient for you. If you have a dream you really want to share, but are perhaps a little intimidated at the thought of reading it yourself, go ahead and send us a written version, and we're happy to read it for you. 
We respect that dreams can be quite personal, but consider the value of sharing them to be almost paramount. So an alias or anonymity is welcome just as much as being yourself. We really look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for tuning in and see you next time in your dreams.